Over the last three months, March, April, and May, compared to January and February, there was an increase in counterface detection in major markets of 58% in the US and 63% in a country like uh, Spain. With this increase in counterface, consumers are now more vulnerable than ever. So brands, they really need to advance IP, IP infringement protection. Now is the time for them to really look uh, very deep into what they're doing in their online sales and allocate some budgets to, to protect uh, their e-commerce and their, their online sales and, of course, the, the customers. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Retail Remix. For today's episode, we dig deep into all things brand protection. And you may have seen this phrase used a bit more online through news articles, through things in the advertising space largely. But Redpoints really digs into brand protection from a product standpoint, so product counterfeiting, any sort of duplication of intellectual property in the product space, but also content and media piracy. So two very fascinating areas of this space. And Laura Urquizu, who is the CEO, really broke down who's impacted by these pirates, you know, whether it's for media or for a product, and what brands can do to not just better monitor, but effectively respond to these cases. I think we all know at the end of the day, it's all about the brand. So as digital gets more mind share and wallet share, we all need to do everything we can to monitor our brands and make sure that they're protected across all channels. So with that, let's dig into our conversation with Laura. She has a lot of great perspectives to share. Laura, great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for taking the time out to join me today. Thank you. Very happy to be here, Alicia. So let's start with the basics, because this is kind of going to be the foundation for our chat today. Redpoints focuses on brand protection. And I feel like this is a phrase that I'm hearing a lot more recently. So why don't you share what exactly that means in your world and why it's so important, especially in this new world of instant access and new media that we're living in? Yeah, okay. So, so Redpoints is the world's uh, first brand intelligence platform. We have a combined o- online brand protection, copyright enforcement, and distributor monitoring capabilities to give you full visibility into brands present online. So the brand protection really consists on protecting the rights of the brands on their assets to make sure that their assets are not stolen on behalf of uh, counterfeiters or people benefiting from piracy. So what we really do is protect brands and companies that have issues with piracy and counterfeiting online. So we, we have uh, offices in Barcelona, New York, Salt Lake City, and Beijing. And we've uh, transformed an industry traditionally led by intellectual property lawyers and service-focused companies into a very scalable and cost-effective technology solution. Because what we've been doing for the five uh, last years is to build a very strong platform, technological platform, to help them with their protection online. 
And uh, the key to our success is our investment in technology and product to make uh, the solution very intuitive, effective, and very easy to use. Oh, that's great. So quick follow-up question there. What categories, I mean, looking at this through the lens of, I guess, all brands, is this something that we're seeing, the need for brand protection, really extending across all sizes and categories? Because when I think of brand protection and the property or rights of assets, I largely think, especially for counterfeiting, right? I largely think of luxury, but are we seeing that kind of extend out or go into, you know, a broader view of retail specifically? Very, very, very good uh, question. Because as you say, when we think about uh, one brand that uh, has a problem uh, with uh, fakes online, we all think about a really big uh, fashion brand. But uh, luckily, well, this is a problem that affects all kinds of companies from any vertical and any size from very small to really, really big companies. And of course, uh, as I was saying, across a variety of uh, sectors like sports, cosmetics, fashion, entertainment, and and many more. The problem is huge. Uh, Before the coronavirus uh, was on our wall, it was estimated already that by 2022, counterfeiting will be a $4.2 trillion industry and global damages from counterfeited goods will exceed $323 billion, which is, is really staggering. Yeah, and I guess that kind of connects to my next question around this heightened use of e-com. So I'm glad you made reference to the coronavirus because that has really accelerated the adoption of digital people who, you know, maybe weren't using e-com as much are now relying it in a lot of ways. A lot of people, you know, are using it to get essentials, to maybe pass the time or do some retail therapy. So we're, we're really seeing this pivot in the industry as a whole. So let's dig a little bit deeper into those risks or or pain points for the brands that are listening, right? I mean, off the bat, I can think of a few instances where I've seen random brands try to duplicate products or counterfeit products and make them widely accessible online. So is that is that something we're going to be seeing more as consumers continue to shift more to digital? I mean, I feel like the concerns that you've brought to light may possibly accelerate as well, but I'd love your take. Oh, well, uh, definitely, definitely. Since the coronavirus uh, crisis intensified, shoppers have had uh, little choice but to turn to e-commerce, even for basic essentials. In a recent study that uh, we conducted at uh, Redpoints, we found that 60.4% of consumers say that they have increased online shopping versus uh, shopping in-store. And I can give you more more numbers, more of our numbers. Over the last three months, March, April, and May, compared to January and February, there was an increase in counterfeit detection in major markets of 58% in the U.S. and 63% in a country like uh, Spain. With this increase in counterfeits, consumers are now more vulnerable than ever. So brands 
they really need to advance IP, IP infringement protection. Now is the time for them to really look uh, very deep into what they're doing in their online sales and allocate some budgets to, to protect uh, their e-commerce and their, their online sales and, of course, the, the customers. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to see how it's all connected, right? Because at the end of the day, your consumers or potential consumers have that association, like if they see maybe a certain design or a certain logo, I'm thinking probably largely through the lens of luxury or more high-end goods, there's an association, right, between a specific design or logo with another brand. So even if you're not the one giving them that bad experience, it's like your brain kind of triggers that negative association at the end of the day. So there definitely is a clear connection. And it really, I think, drives the urgency for closer monitoring of what's kind of happening out there. And it seems like there's just going to be an acceleration of activity. And there are so many different outlets and sources. So I could imagine it's a bit overwhelming. So let's let's dig into the underlying issues or, or pain points. So I guess like who would be the one or the team kind of keeping track of these counterfeit issues or, or monitoring the protection of the brand? And what what struggles would they be like facing in this process? Like really, I'm just trying to understand, like, will these pain points, you know, accelerate? Will, will it become more challenging to track this over time? And, you know, how can we kind of tackle that head on? Yeah, sure. So let's start with the pain points. No, there is a one that is very evident. That is the loss of revenues. While some uh, people are benefiting from your products and by selling fake products, they're getting the revenues, uh, the revenues of the brands and the companies. So of course, revenue is very evident. But there are, in my opinion, some other issues that are even more important than revenue. The first one is reputation. The reputation of the brand and the company, no? At the end, the, the reputation of a, for a brand is everything for that brand. And it's not an easy job. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And when consumers, without knowing it, they get counterfeits online because they buy counterfeits online, but they, they didn't mean to buy a fake product. When they realize it's not a genuine product, they blame it on brands. And in many cases, unhappy customers can be very vocal and post negative comments on social media or bad reviews on marketplaces or even Google, among others. So that destroys the brand reputation. Very associated with that is the increase in trust. The brands, they have a lot of stakeholders, and uh, some of them are the distributors, the legal distributors. And uh, it can really affect the relationship between the brand and their partners because cheap fake products online create unfair competition for the distributors. This is also a problem that can really harm a brand. And for me, and in the case of uh, many companies, there is a fourth issue that is really relevant, that is when health is involved. In some verticals like toys, cosmetics, uh, food uh, and beverage and some others, health can be at risk while you are consuming a fake product no? that can harm the health of the consumers really badly. Yeah. I didn't even think about the implications of food and even nutrition products, right? Like there are so many like vitamin brands now, supplements, even like those gummy vitamins, right? That are supposed to be for like hair and nails. Like there are so many brands now. It's like, how does the consumer, even the most intelligent 
ones and, and savvy ones determine what's what's for real and what's not. I mean, that those are some really deep implications there. No, really. No, no, exactly. Because, listen, we've seen terrible images of the damages that uh, a fake vitamin or a fake beverage can do to the skin of the people. Same with cosmetics, same with toys and the babies and uh, baby products. This is why uh, many of these issues, many of these issues you were asking who is uh, the owner of this problem in the companies. It depends a lot on the size of the company. So it can be in small companies from the CEO to the digital marketing director. But in many cases, this is something that it is uh, owned this particular problem by the legal teams of the company. And uh, in many cases, it's not only the companies, they don't have only internal lawyers or internal legal teams. They have to use legal teams to address this problem. And they can often spend a considerable amount of time and legal fees trying to sue or the counterfeiters selling their products illegally. However, however, in most cases, a mitigation approach like the one that is offering our solution is, is often the best solution when it comes to combating counterfeiting online. Because what you do is, as a brand, you make counterfeiting another level for consumers. And that is a, a very good measure. Oh, very interesting. So is it fair to say that overall, based on the companies that maybe you're speaking with or your, your assessment of the retail marketplace in, in, in particular, are most you know executives kind of monitoring these behaviors? Is it, is it largely manual, like how, how they're kind of tracking, looking out for counterfeit brands or, or duplicates of their products? Or are they using more like ad hoc solutions? So really, I want to understand the value of red points from a monitoring perspective, right? I mean, is it largely just very complex and, and time consuming for them if they don't have some sort of solution in place? Well, uh, that, is a, that is a very good question, Alicia. So before we came up with our technological solution in points, in this ecosystem, the solution that they, they used it was heavily manual. And it's still heavily manual for many companies, especially, well, small companies, no? Small companies or well, all kinds of companies. So what we offer is the value proposition is a, a platform that goes from detection, monitoring, validation to enforcement that is very important, the removal of the fake listings automated with automated systems. So we've developed uh, a system that uses uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, image recognition, image fingerprinting, logo recognition, no? to be able to detect and remove all of this in an automated way. So before us, the hours that a person or a group of persons, no, a team had to dedicate to this issue was really, really large. So there's a lot of uh, savings by that. If we think about savings, no, it's, it's a lot of savings, savings um, of uh, manual costs. And of course, you have to add no, all the revenues that you get uh, so much faster, the efficiency, the integration with uh, platforms and uh, marketplaces and social networks that uh, if you try to do it uh, manually and uh, with human force, it's, it's uh, pretty much impossible. 
you know, that makes a lot of sense. And I think to add another layer to complexity, obviously, counterfeit products is a huge issue as evidenced by some of the, the data you shared. But there's also this media and content layer to the conversation, too, which I feel like is so difficult to track, possibly even more difficult to track simply because outlets like Instagram make sharing and and viral publishing so easy and also makes it really easy for people to remove credit or remove any sort of citation or reference to the the producing brand or or content creator. I'm wondering if this is almost like an overlooked area of concern. Like I know it's pretty big in the content marketing world just because content is what we do. It's our bread and butter. So we pay extra close attention to it. But is this kind of overlooked in the like brand and retail space? And, and should it be more emphasized? Well, listen, when we talk about uh, content theft, we are referring to piracy. And there are different entertainment sectors that are at high risk when it comes to piracy. The most popular ones are, of course, the film and the music industry, the major content producers, as you were saying, no, the video on demand platforms. But in addition, in addition, some other industries are also very affected, like the sports industry, live broadcast, the publishing industry, and lately the e-learning platforms are also under a lot of uh, risk, especially during these days with a significant percentage of the population confined uh, at uh, their homes. So I would say that those companies, these industries are really aware of the problem because while you started this um, session today saying that uh, lately you hear a lot about brand protection, well, that is good news because that means that there's more and more awareness. I will say that the entertainment industry and all the industries that I just mentioned have, uh, I mean, their level of awareness is much higher than some other verticals or sectors in the retail industry. So they've been trying always to keep track and take care of this uh, piracy problem. The thing is that piracy is constantly evolving. The way pirated content is being distributed online has really changed over the years to adapt to consumers' uh, changing behavior. And I'm going to give you some examples, no? One of the biggest threats uh, we are helping our clients with lately is the rise of illegal accounts sharing credentials to access to on-demand platforms, an infringement type called uh, access code sharing or code splitting. Some years ago, we didn't see that. We only were seeing uh, illegal downloads. Lately, this one is uh, much more, much more important. In general, companies should be paying more attention to the piracy issue, as one of the biggest problems is that a large number of uh, internet users deny that piracy is a negative practice and do not perceive it as an illegal action. This is especially true for young people who do not perceive uh, online streaming or content downloads as copyright infringements and therefore illegal. But yes, I mean, piracy is a really, really terrible issue. They, they, they have a clear impact in the loss of jobs throughout the, the industry value chain and all the operating areas. And of course, uh, numerous financial losses. No, I can tell you that the illegal copying and streaming of movies and television show very substantial losses. And they are estimated to climb to $52 billion a year by 2022. Yeah, no, it definitely 
is a huge issue, I think, as the digital media space expands, diversifies. And it, it may be interesting to see if this will eventually kind of trickle into the purview of brand executives, retail executives, because again, like we're seeing as e-commerce continues to acquire a larger share of that commerce pie, so to speak, the need for digital content to support those experiences and kind of recreate what consumers may experience in the store or provide more resources and guidance, whether it's through video or, or the written word or, or even social content. I mean, it's a bit kind of outside or adjacent to some of the examples that you shared. But again, just given, you know, how rapidly information is shared, changed, reaccessed, I mean, I feel like there may be something there, again, kind of depending on how this whole digital world shakes out. This could be an area to watch, but I don't know if you're having any conversations around, you know, the possible brand or, or retail implications of, of this area of the conversation. Well, in the case of content, because we were specifically talking about content, for some brands, some uh, content that goes in YouTube or Instagram can be really damaging for their trademark. Because some videos associate the trademark with uh, some uh, content that you don't want to be associated or the brand doesn't want to be associated. So yes, the answer is they should be paying attention to all the video content and the streaming content that is uh, associated to their brands and the culture and the trademark of their company. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. Now, this has been very, very insightful, Laura. Thank you again so much for kind of walking us through this very layered and complex uh, area of the digital world. To close out the conversation, why don't we just kind of walk through like any closing thoughts around how this landscape may change overall and, and any recommendations you may have for all of the executives listening that may want to figure out a way to better monitor and and respond to, to these cases, especially if, if it hasn't 100% been in their purview. I feel like closing out with some recommendations may be good here. Yeah. So as we were saying, the day after COVID-19 is not like the day before. The future of retail, as we know it, will be completely transformed. While economic stability will eventually return, we usually say that those that want to grow and thrive need to be smart today because some permanent changes are undergoing at this moment. No? Brands should not think anymore that it's too early for them to consider a brand protection strategy because if your product is online, it can get pirated and very easily, even if you are crowdfunding for it. As an example, no? one of our clients, furniture designer and CEO, David Trubridge, went to the Hong Kong Lighting Fair in 2014. And while walking down the ace to have a look at their other exhibitors' work, discovered that another company was exhibiting the exact same products as, as them. Wow. No? Okay. Yeah. And there are so many horror stories uh, for small and medium uh, companies that we could be telling here. Even small size companies, they really have to take a deep look at this uh, issue. Because as we were saying previously, the customers are moving online. The sales are moving online. So it's time to look at your online strategy and allocate the right resources to take care 
of that piece of your business that is going to become more and more relevant in the current days and, of course, um, in the future. So we really recommend to business owners to start putting brand protection at the top of their agenda. Because, again, luckily, and I was also uh, saying previously, we've seen a large increase of counterfeiting in the last three months, up to 60% as an average. Well, that's great. I'm glad that you emphasize the importance of making it really top of mind in strategic discussions and just constantly a- assessing the space. Because I feel like now more than ever, we're hearing that brands need to be nimble. They need to move fast. They need to be digital primary or, or digital first. But I feel like there are security implications to that, I mean, as indicated by a lot of your responses. So quick follow-up question before we, we close things out, because I, I do think that the security component is really important here. I mean, how can brands balance that notion of being nimble, being digital, and, and engaging consumers online without letting security fall to the side? Is it just you know making sure that the resources are, are allocated appropriately like that's the that's the priority or is there anything else that we need to be thinking about uh, no it's a, well it's a, what we were talking uh, about uh, previously they really have to understand that omnichannel presence is becoming the norm for retailers we also have a, another number that i can share that 59.3% of retail businesses are investing more in e-commerce channels to ensure business continuity in light of COVID-19. And of course, one recommendation that we can also give them is to invest more in their diversifying suppliers, hiring local and online suppliers, but also taking measures to minimize cybercrime, cybercrime such as brand abuse, scams, counterfeits. We've also seen all of this increased by almost 50% in in the last uh, few months. Oh, this is great. This is it's definitely a fascinating space for us. So thank you for kind of unpacking all of the layers with me. I know I, I asked a lot of pointed questions around where, where this space is going. So really appreciate you taking the time out. If folks want to learn a little bit more about red points, some of the research that, that your team has been conducting around the future of e-com, of digital and, and this space in particular, um, should they just go to the Red Points website, or where, where's the best way that they can learn more? Oh, sure. I mean, uh, uh, please reach to us through the website page. We also have uh, our offices in New York and Salt Lake City, Barcelona, now Beijing. Feel free to reach uh, the team and definitely write to us uh, through the through the website. Yes, very happy, very happy to continue the conversation with uh, all of you that are interested. Right. Well, Laura, thank you again so much for taking the time out. It's very, very clear that brand protection is something that's only going to become more important over time. And we're going to be keeping tabs on how this e-commerce space is evolving and how these new threats or counterfeiters will impact brand equity as a whole. It's definitely, you know, a space to watch. So thank you again so much for uh, taking the time out to join me today. Oh, thank you so much, Alicia. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Likewise. And uh, thanks everyone out there for listening. As always, if you have any thoughts on this episode, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter or any other social network. And um, be sure to subscribe so you get an alert when new episodes are available. Have a great day, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. 
Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up. <laughs>